Boots and Backstraps, brought to you by Homes by Shane and produced by Danny Geo Productions. On today's episode, our guest Dustin talks ammo, chili, and archery, and inspired our new drinking game. That tone, is that something that we drink to? I'm down. It can't be from here on. Sorry. Where's that bell? Right. Hey. Right. I know. Seriously. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, hunters and huntresses, this is the Boots and Backstraps podcast. Come on now. Hunt is on, looking for backstraps, way deep in the woods. Tracking in a swamp to a hayfield under the harvest moon. When the tags are filled, it's time to switch up our boots. Head down to the honky tonk, get us a swing dance or two. We're talking about boots and backstraps. This is the show where we talk all things hunting and country music. From the classics through today, from big bucks to bull elk, we've got it all. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Boots and Backstraps. I'm your host, Shane Michael, and I'm joined in studio, as always, by my somewhat tired today co-host. <laughs> Come on now. How are we doing, sir? Good, man. How are you? I'm really good. I'm good. It's been a, a long week, but I'm always excited to get in here with you. Yeah, you've been busy uh, with real estate, and uh, we've been busy with our new camper. Mm-hmm. Not the camper we showed you in the past, but we have another new camper. The Big Brother Camper. Big Brother Camper. and uh, It's Deer Camp. Yeah, it's that time <laughs> of year, and uh, the windows of opportunity are closing. Yes, sir. And we're going to move this one from Sturgeon Lake, Minnesota, over to Frederick, Wisconsin, and it's going to be our Deer Camp Forever. So I'm pretty excited about that. we got to get that done. We haven't talked much on the episode, but uh, for the listening and viewing audience, TK is uh, buying or has basically bought a 40-acre parcel out that way, and and it's a very heavily wooded lot, and you, he's done some exploration out there, so there's plenty of deer, plenty of bear, plenty of other wildlife. Turkeys, grouse, it's just, you know, it's one of those quintessential properties in Wisconsin. It's just great. I'm so looking forward to spending many years up there with you and a couple of my nephews and bringing home some uh, food for the family. And Yes, sir. You know, Wisconsin, they, they have a pretty cool thing. You know, I... It is what it is. Minnesota opens uh, first part of November, yep. first two weekends, and and then Wisconsin opens up in the middle of November, and I really like what they do there because, you know, they have their big open, you know, the opening of uh, deer season in Wisconsin is like a national holiday. That <laughs> nobody works, everybody's deer hunting, and I love that, but what's really cool is the second weekend, especially for all the farmers that have kids that have maybe gone to school or they're in college. Everyone comes home for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and it's just a family affair where everyone gets out into the woods, mm-hmm. their family and their deer hunting, and they bring home some more deer and maybe cook up some back straps before they go back to school. And it's just a great way of getting the family together, and I just admire that so much. And I've kind of been a part of that for many, many years, and uh, I've seen that, and I really I think it's too bad that Minnesota doesn't have the – capability of doing that but it's good for us as hunters because we can hunt the minnesota seasons and then we can go to wisconsin and hunt their seasons Mm -hmm. and they can do vice versa you know they can come here and but i like that whole uh, idea with them uh the kids coming home for thanksgiving and then uh all the family getting out and shooting deer 
Yeah, that's cool. totally agreed. You know, one of the other cool things, too, is that um, I just learned doing a little Internet exploration that if you have not bought a deer license in Wisconsin right. before, they give you a pretty good deal. So if you're a Minnesota non-resident and you're buying an archery or firearm, it's the same price for both. It's 160 bucks for a tag over there or a license, as, yep. you, as you like to say. Um, but if you're a first-timer, it's $79.95. Yeah, that's nice. I remember when that started, It was I think it was 50 bucks. And uh, that's a pretty cool deal. Good for them. Yeah. I think. Uh, that must have been back in like the Flintlock rifle days. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't that long ago. I remember bringing Andrew Jordan over there uh, to Dick Godden's place over in River Falls. Sure. And he was buying a license for the first time. And that's the first I had heard of it. It was 50 he's got bucks. A nice, Dick's got a nice parcel there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's moving now. And for those of you viewing or listening, you don't have a clue what we're talking about. <laughs> Good friend of mine from River Falls, where I used to own a club, opened it. <coughs> excuse me, opened it the same year we started the WeFest. That was a busy year, 1983. Yeah, the place was called El Gato's in River Falls, Wisconsin. It was a college bar. Man, we had some fun times for like five years, and then the drinking age. Well, it was good because the drinking age rose to 21 in minnesota but not in wisconsin so then we got that huge influx yeah but then wisconsin caught up went to 21 and then the college crowd was pretty much eliminated and mm. so we moved on yeah but i still maintain a bunch of good friends from river falls great part of the world yeah absolutely yep so uh to go back to to deer camp there we were planning to bring our mobile trailer over there yep uh, mobile camper and uh, just happened to remember that my mother-in-law's got this big giant camper that's been sitting there she's not using and it's in great shape and we went up and looked at it yeah. a few days ago i can't believe she's given it to us it's just amazing uh, it's full like, of furniture what a gift full of furniture and uh, what exactly do you refer to that style of camper park as? model it's, it's a park model there you go that's right yeah, it's, I think it's about 35 feet long, and it's 8 feet wide, and it stands up about 10 feet in the air, but the trailer itself is probably only 8. It just sits up a little bit. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, but it's, it's a park model. It's a park model. So for those of you that are well-versed in campers and mobile homes, it's a park model. It's pretty cool. But that's going to be our deer camp. Yeah, we'll be spoiled, I think. I think so. That's really cool. So huge shout-out to— appliances. Huge shout-out to my mother-in-law, Bubash, for her generous <laughs> donation to our habit. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's nice that it's going to get some use because where it's sitting, it's just not getting any use. It's It's got the sad face right now. <laughs> it's so lonely. <laughs> uh, well, let's get to our Whiskey of the Week, Let's TK. do it. So this is a, a favorite I know of yours and mine, and right. we have not had the mark on the episode yet, which has shocked a lot of people. Like, you guys haven't had Maker's Mark yet? So I pulled this one out of my private collection. This is a obviously a premium bottle that Maker's Mark makes called the Private Select. And um, so Maker's Mark, for little peop for the people that don't know Maker's Mark, the big thing with Maker's Mark is, um, so they were uh, established in 1953. It's a K Kentucky distillery. Um, it um, was founded by Bill uh, Samuels originally, and then he brought his wife Margie into the business, and Margie had all these creative, unique ideas to add to his 170-year-old recipe for bourbon. Hmm. And that's where this unique bottle seal with the red-melted um, yeah. wax and... And a lot of the other things that they do came into it, and that's where the Maker's Mark brand came from, the Maker's Mark on the bottle, making it unique. Okay, that's a good explanation. I watched a documentary on Maker's Mark, and I watched them hand-dip each bottle and mm -hmm. 
Uh, but I guess I wasn't paying too close attention because I didn't realize that's where the Maker's Mark name came from. Yeah, so the two big things that they do specifically with the bourbon, aside from Margie's contribution, which is not to be overlooked because Margie is the f uh, first uh, woman to be inducted into the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame. And so uh, kind of a, a good thing for her. Um, but uh, so the big thing with Maker's Mark and, and what makes them unique in the bourbon world, as far as the bourbon itself is concerned, is A, that they do their distilling in a limestone cellar. And so that's, or they age in a limestone cellar. Sorry, not distill. They age in a limestone cellar. And then that they use a variety of different staves to create different flavor yep. profiles with the barrels. Explain to the folks what a stave is. So staves are the slats that right. make up the barrel. Right. And so they're individual pieces of wood when they put them kind of in a circular pattern and they use the um, iron rings to, mm -hmm. to form the barrel and then it gets fired and all that stuff. Each of those wood slats is called a stave. Right. So they a lot of um, distilleries will use all hickory or all oak or all cherry or all whatever. Right. Maker's Mark tends to mix it up a little bit. So this oh, they do. That's so, cool. So this private select um, is 10 unique, or not 10, 10 different stave profiles in the barrel. And this particular stave, you can see they put a, a sticker on the back yep. where they tell you exactly what they use for the staves in the barrel. I'll be darned. Can so you read that? I can. So they have four seared French um, souvet. You get two Maker's 46, which is kind of their standard stave, two French roast mocha, and two toasted French spice staves <laughs> that went into the to the barrel that this bottle was pulled from. There's some whiskey drinkers out there right now scratching their head. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I, I know it's it's a geeky thing for me, and I just you know I'm as you know I'm I'm kind of a psychopath when it comes to the whiskey. I think it's great. I mean, I think it's great that you dive right into the details, and uh, it's very informative. And I'm like a lot of people, very curious about it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like our our guest today, Dustin. He loves whiskey and he loves bourbon, and we we were trading a, you know a few bottle um, profiles that we like that kind of thing, and it's always fun to talk about that. Right. But just digging a little bit more into the history of the distilleries and what they're doing with the bottles, because no two bottles are alike, even from the same. Like if you were to go buy another bottle of Maker's Mark Private Select and you looked at the decal on the back, it would be different. Oh, like it would just be a little different because of where that whiskey was in that barrel or it was a different barrel or where it was placed exactly in that cellar. Like all that stuff can change the profile of the of the bottle. So I don't think any of our guests that we've had and we've had 30 some guests mm -hmm. have uh, turned down uh, any of the whiskey that we've had here. No, <laughs> we had a three for at one point with the women all at once. And then D Dustin came up with a clever idea. We should be doing a wine of the week when we have the women. On. Well, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, uh, well, I'll pour while you introduce our guest. All right. Um, I'll move my glass over here for you. You know, I should say that, you know, it's funny. I should be in the Whiskey Hall of Fame. I mean, I introduced uh, drinking Jack Daniels and various whiskeys to thousands and thousands of people <laughs> just through the show. But uh, this guy that's with us here tonight, I'm pretty excited to have him here. He's an old friend of mine. We uh, shot in an archery league together for many, many years, and he now works at uh, Federal Premium, and that is such a hot topic. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have Dustin on the show here today is because everyone's like, where are the bullets? How come I can't get this, and how come I can't get that? So if you're a hunter or you just shoot for fun uh, and you're wondering where the bullets are, uh, Dustin's going to answer some of those questions for us here tonight, and uh, I think it's a timely, he's a timely guest to have on the show, and uh, 
and he's just a great guy and just been so fun. Yeah, he's him. all right. He's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not not in any respect. This is Dustin Stambridge, everybody. Uh, we'll give him a little round of applause. That's Dustin. He's kind of a, well, he was a disc jockey for a while, which is great because he fits right into this group. Dustin, it's great to have you here. We'll get a clink and a drink. Welcome to Boots and Backstraps. Glad to be here. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Isn't that nice? You know, my favorite Maker's Mark story, I get caught up in all, and I forget that I do have a Maker's Mark story at the Ladies. Weed Fest one year. We'll share with the girls. Sorry. It was, uh, was it Sawyer Brown? No, it wasn't. It was uh, Travis Tripp. A lot of these entertainers that would come to the Wii Fest, uh, they would uh, like to golf. And there's a beautiful golf course right across the road from the Wii Fest. It's uh, the Detroit Lakes Country Club. And uh, the golf pro there is a great friend of ours. And so he said, you know, anytime any of the acts want to come and golf, they got carte blanche. So Travis Tritt and his group were out, and a bunch of us went out on carts. And I don't think we got to nine holes, and they drank the bar out of Maker's Mark. <laughs> Tim gets on the phone, sends somebody to, into DL, and they come back with a case. And so they reloaded all of the golf carts. And they didn't waste time with a mix or glasses or just pulling it out. These guys were funny. And they weren't bad golfers. I mean, a couple of them were duffers, but they, we all had so much fun. And uh, I don't know exactly how many bottles of Maker's Mark we drank in 18 holes. And I should say there was, like, three or four foursomes, so there was a fair amount of us. So it wasn't like there was just a couple golf carts drinking cases of Maker's Mark. But uh, that's one of my Maker's Mark stories, and what a great whiskey. It's real smooth. Love yeah. it. Dustin, I know you, we talked before this. Mm -hmm. You're familiar with the Mark. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. That's kind of my go-to, that, you know, ginger ale and the Maker's. That's, oh, nice. That's kind of the, the drink of choice. Yeah, for sure. It's a... When there's nothing, I mean, I, I'm probably biased, but I know you'll agree with me. There's nothing better to wind down a busy day and just throw yourself a little bit. And even if it's not on ice, it was just neat. Yeah. A little maker's mark is really good stuff. Yes. Yep. Little goes a long way. That's yeah, for sure. It does. That's for sure. Do you and have I, a, a particular one that you like more? Uh, maker's 46. Okay. Is usually the one I go with. All right. Fantastic. So. <laughs> I was telling him I got a bottle of 46 yeah. at the house that I haven't opened yet. And for those of you that are viewing uh, and you remember me from the Rowdy Cowboy Show days and maybe the Wii Fest, I, I drank a fair amount in my life, but I really don't even drink anymore. I have one of these uh, to sip on uh, during the show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't drink any more, but I, I don't do drink like, any less. <laughs> I do like to have a beer when I'm done hunting. When I come off yeah. stand or out of the fields from pheasant hunting, I love to have a beer. But that's all I'll have anymore. Used to be, I'll have a few, but not anymore. I just enjoy sipping a little bit of this, and uh, I don't know why I'm telling you that. I just want to want everyone to know that I'm not quite the lush that I used to be. <laughs> you just want to lie. It's okay. <laughs> I don't drink anymore either. Well, we got the receipts, Danny. Don't you worry. We got the receipts. You know, I was wondering what happened to half of that bottle. Usually, we start out with a full bottle, but I think some of the crew got <laughs> into it. Uh, not Danny. <laughs> not to name any names. <laughs> they had a test sample at first. Yeah, make sure it's safe. Can't be poisoned. <laughs> so I think that was a that was a that was a great lead in TK for for Dustin and just sort of that like hot topic of what is happening in the ammunition mm -hmm. industry. Certainly in the last 
year and a half or two years, people have been stocking up. And uh, so what's going on out there? Yeah, that's that's pretty much the sum of it. People are stocking up. They are hoarding it like uh, people did with toilet paper and Kleenexes and stuff when COVID first started. But um, unbelievable. I, I guess I'll get right to the gist of things. We're running 24-7, yeah. and we cannot keep up. Wow. And when we Dustin says we're up. running 24-7, again, he's uh, works at Federal Premium in Anoka here in mm-hmm. Minnesota, and they are not slowing down by any means. Yep. It's um, – you know, I, we, you know, before the show, we spoke a little bit and, you know, brought up bow hunting. I've been out once because if it's, yeah. you know, I, I'm working that much mandatory overtime on the weekends. It's, wow. It's crazy. You know, it, feel, it feels like we, we can't even gain ground on it wow. with, with the demand out there. But um, I know our, uh, our president of Vista Outdoor and the whole ammo industry, so that's, you know, Federal, Spear, CCI, um, he made a YouTube video back in see uh december of last year so now you know numbers are going to fluctuate a little bit and stuff like that but from what he was saying in in this video just the conceal and carry permits it was 70 or not 77 million yeah new you know shooters is what it was seven million new shooters seven million new shooters in america that's the same number Jimmy Rocher gave me from Joe Sporting mm-hmm. Goods. He yep. was talking about that. And then, it, you know, let's let's be conservative and say they buy two boxes of ammo. Each box is fifty rounds. So now you got a hundred rounds of ammo for these seventy million or seven million, you know, new gun owners. Right. That's seven hundred million rounds just for the new shooters alone. And that's one caliber. Correct. And yeah. then you start adding up all the other calibers. Yeah. Well, and you guys make. You know what? I can't guarantee that because if it, it's just, I, I would say it's probably conceal and carry people. Right. You know. You know. You know the certificate to purchase a pistol. Right. So it could be nine, could be forty, could be you know forty-five. You know. I was going to say which ones is. are the hot. I mean, it seems to me that nine is obviously very hot, mm-hmm. and then with a, the AR specifically becoming so popular the last couple of years, the right. two, two, three, five, five, six. Those are the hot ones. Yep, I would that's guess. nine mils, forty. You know, two, two, three, five, five, six. What you said. Um, it, it honestly, they're they're all hot right now. They are all hot, and and the sad thing is, is that because of the demand in the in the pistol, shotgun is now getting hit with it because people can't find pistol. They're jumping on shotguns now. So if you go to the store and they don't have any, you know, two, three, four shot, well, you know, they're working twenty four seven as well too, and it's. You know, it's it's difficult not only for federal, but it's difficult for all the ammo manufacturing companies out there because this is something that all of us were not ready for at all. all. And it's not like, you know, federal can go to, you know, you know, random machine place and say, hey, we need this machine so we can make more, you know, bullets or something like that. That's, you know, you know, potentially a year, maybe even two before, you know, we would get that machine. Right. Yeah. And the price tag on them are not cheap either. So that's something. So I wonder, I wonder, uh, it's got to be the same dilemma with uh, uh, Fiocchi, uh, Western, uh, what am I trying to say? Winchester. Winchester, mm-hmm. um, all the different, am- uh, Remington. I mean, it's got to be the same dilemma with all of them. Yep. Well, you, ha- you have some, not only demand as far as like the amount of shooters that you guys are talking about. But the evolution of the firearms themselves, I mean, it seems to me this last handful of years, like the tactical side of some of these weapons, like the shotguns especially, I mean, there's so many cool configurations for tactical shotguns now right. that that would probably pretty significantly increase the demand too, I would think. Right. 
Yep. I mean, everything. Everything. Because everybody's like, oh, I'm going to get a box of birdshot for my shotgun. Like, mm-hmm. get a tactical self-defense shotgun. I need ammo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have one for, you know, a, a uh, home defense. You know, that's my home defense. Shotgun is, is one of those. And I was able to find, like, seven-shot pheasant rounds or something like that. <laughs> is what it is. But I tell you what, it's... Gets the job done. It, it will get the job done. you damn right. So, but, I mean, it's it's just not federal. It is everyone. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding. You go to, you know, uh, Joe's Sporting Goods. You go to, you know, Cabela's. You go to... Um, What's what's the one off sixty five uh, Capra's or whatnot, yep. and selection is very slim. Well, you got you know, you, yeah. he, like me, I'm really good friends with Jimmy Rocher. We had him on the show once, and I mm-hmm. called Jimmy. I said, Jimmy, can you set aside some pheasant loads for me? And it's almost like, boy, you feel like you're getting special, you know, special treatment. And it's like, if you don't know anyone, it's like you're not going to get any bullets. Yep, that's and you have helped me out thirty uh, odd six, three oh eight. Um, I think, and there's one, uh, my, what is it? Two twenty two two fifty. 250. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't know somebody, it's like, I feel bad for the average Joe. And it's like, well, they're not going to quit hunting, but they're going to wind up using maybe like grouse loads or skeet loads, you know, for pheasant. And that's not a necessarily a good thing, but you know, if you're close enough, that'll certainly get the job yeah, done. It's, it's more whatever you can get air. your hands on is, is yeah. kind of what it seems. I got a, a few things I want to kind of touch on sure. with, with this, Dustin. But maybe if we could go back to, to Federal for just a quick second, because okay. I know people would be interested in that being a local company and obviously well-known. Mm-hmm. How many different ammunition departments or divisions are there? Uh, we have a lead plant. We have a rimfire plant, which, of course, does 22s. We have center fire. Uh, which is, you know, your handgun, your rifle, and then we got our shot shell department. So, And that's where, like, you get a, a pattern, right? As, as in... When you say shot shell, can you just elaborate on oh, what that Oh, shot means? shell is specifically shot shell gun uh, shotgun ammo. Shells. Shotgun shells, absolutely. Or shotguns, okay. yeah. Yep. So plastic housing versus the metal housing, Correct, right? yes. Okay. Yep. Just because, you know, uh, some of the listeners we have are, you know, probably scratching their head like, what does that mean? No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I, there's a, you know, when we're talking, uh, especially specifics like this, we can certainly talk over, not meaning to, but talk over people's heads because, you know, like you and Danny, for instance, will talk over my head when you're talking about modern technology. <laughs> like if I want something shipped over to my phone. <laughs> he says, if he says ship it, he means email. <laughs> or text. Or text, yeah. <laughs> That's the short I'm, I'm surprised he didn't talk about like carrier pigeon or something. <laughs> uh, That's funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess I would apologize to anyone listening. If we ever talk over your head, please let us know. Hey, what does that mean? And Maybe you should slow down and... You leave a comment on the video and yeah. we'll, we'll get it clarified for and you. And Dustin leaves a comment. I can remember uh, I, I go to church at Eaglebrook Church and myself and a buddy of mine, Mark Banta, mentored for... We mentored high school kids for uh, like nine years. Had different groups come through. Great kids. Loved the whole thing. But I can always remember Mark was so enthusiastic about the Lord and about getting it out and teaching other kids... He started, we had these freshmen, and freshmen or juniors, I don't remember, but there was a first night with us, and Mark's just going at him, and he's talking about Scripture, and he's talking about the Bible, and I'm like, Mark, Mark, they don't have a clue what you're talking about. You're going way over their head, slow down. He goes, oh, yeah, you're probably right. So if we ever do that, (laughs) 
Sorry about that. <laughs> it happens. It does yeah, happen. Yeah. But that's that's why we like to just take that opportunity to, to get some clarification. Yeah. 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 So um, if you could elaborate maybe just a little bit on between the two of you, what some of the more popular hunting specific calibers are, because, you know, there's a, a divide between your self-defense specific folks. They're mm -hmm. not necessarily taking their weapons into the woods. Right. And you got folks that are looking for hunting specific stuff because we've kind of hinted and alluded in the conversation already about people having to maybe make some slight alteration in what they carry because of lack of availability. Mm -hmm. So let's go down the hunting road. Like, what are you typically seeing with the hunting stuff? I can tell you what I prefer, mm -hmm. and I I can tell you what I think the general slingshot. public prefers. <laughs> a slingshot. I got one in my car if you need it. That's how I started. Slingshot. Killing squirrels. Low darts. But I'm sure Dustin can give you uh, better numbers. Uh, me personally, I mean, as far as shotguns goes, you know, you got your 410, small caliber, small barrel. You got a 20 gauge, a little bit larger, good for grouse hunting maybe, and even pheasant hunting. But then, you know, 16 gauges, the old sweet 16, my brother has one. That was my father's. I would love to get my hands on that. But it's hard to get ammo for a 16 gauge. So the most popular bird gun as far as ducks, pheasants, grouse, is a 12-gauge. That's pretty much the standard. Everyone uses a 12-gauge. And pretty much everyone's heard of a 12-gauge shotgun. I would yeah. hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. <laughs> By now. I mean, <laughs> there's a 10-gauge, which is even bigger, and a lot of turkey hunters, that I should say a lot of frustrated turkey hunters, will go to a 10-gauge, and so they can really reach out there. They're, they're a tough bird. <laughs> yeah. A very tough bird. tough bird. And then some people will use a 10-gauge for uh, high-flying geese. And uh, but the 12 gauge is the go to. And if you're shooting pheasants, five and six loads are typical. If you're shooting grouse, uh, seven, eights and nines. Now, when you're talking about loads. We're yes. talking about the size and of again, the BB, I should right? uh, clarify that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what you have me for, TK. <laughs> <laughs> five and six are intermediate. So let's start the spectrum. Dustin mentioned twos, threes and fours. Buckshot is like a little BB. No. It's like a little bearing, like right, a, yep. like a marble almost. How, what would you say it's comparative to, Dustin, as far as size? Like, how would you describe it? Mm, I would say, uh, like a size of a pinhead would be very comparable to maybe like a four shot, okay. maybe even a five shot. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the higher I'm, the higher the number you go, the smaller right. the shot is, and the more BBs you get. Like, if you got a nine. If you got a nine and a shotgun, they're really teeny. Like mm -hmm. when you say the size of a uh, pinhead, penhead, oh. pin, p-i-n. Yep. Oh, the, yeah, the head. Yeah, exactly. But it, speaking about pen, like a, a roller ball that's in a pen, that might right. be comparable to like a seven or even an right. eight shot. So I guess not to get too specific. Like if you got buckshot and then you've got one, I don't know if there's a one, twos, threes, and fours. They get a little bit smaller so like fours are for ducks and for geese and maybe even pheasants if it's late winter and they're trying to reach out there but they get smaller so like a pinhead like you say would be a five or six a nine what would you compare that like a grain of sand you one would think yeah nine would be pretty comparable to a grain of sand but they're actually real small balls of metal mm -hmm. right right yep that's and amazing there's a lot when you go down, when you go up a number, you got more. 
So you've got a lot more. Like if you've got buckshot, you've got maybe four or five round balls in that 12-gauge cartridge. Okay. And you've got seven or eight or nine shot, you've got thousands of little BBs. Hundreds. I don't know about thousands, hundreds. Let's pour one out and count that bastard. Yeah, I mean, we should have done that. <laughs> before, we started, before we started drinking. <laughs> yeah. I'm not counting them. No. Uh, but Tom doesn't drink anymore. No, he doesn't. Now, don't be getting on me on that deal. <laughs> I love a little, I love sipping on a little whiskey, but the fact of the matter is I just can't handle it anymore. That, that tone, is that something that we drink to? Is that the yeah, drink clink and drink, yeah. I'm down. It can be from here on out. Mm, Danny will have that thing going. Bring, bring. She, so thinks, we're, she thinks our shows are much better when we're right now, tipsy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so not you only de- think it's proven. <laughs> no doubt. So not only demand, Dustin, mm-hmm. but pricing, right? Because I was just at uh, South St. Paul Gun Club two weekends ago, or maybe last Saturday. Might have been last Saturday. Mm-hmm. It was last Saturday. It was. Um, and I paid. 15 box, 15 bucks for a box of nine millimeter, but 28 bucks for a box of two, two, three. Mm-hmm. I was just like, whoa, like the demand Sup- must really be there. Supply and demand. I, you know, and that's something I can't speak on. I have no idea, you know, what we sell, you know, price wise to either wholesaler or dealers or whomever. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, if they buy it for 12 bucks a box, mythically, let's say, and they're able to sell it for 30. Hey, power to them. They're they're making making some money on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's r- very very ridiculous for pricing and stuff like right. that. A couple of weeks ago, Shane and I were up musky, musky hunting on the lacks, and uh, right across right across the street from our friend's place is uh, Boone's Boone's uh, Gun Shop. I mean, have you heard of it? Level? I have not. No. Okay. Oh, you got to go and see that. It's in Isle, Minnesota. Boone's is pretty much world renowned it used to be a a nursing home so they have all these different rooms two levels big archery shop shooting range and different rooms they have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gloves uh, excuse me guns on display every caliber you can think of they got guns that range from historical 100 bucks all the way into the tens of thousands oh it kind of sounds like the shooting rangers at federal for the, the yeah. product testing or the, or the quality uh assessments and tests and stuff like that so they Safes upon safes. Okay. They let you do any of that? No, that's a totally different job within the ah, facility. Come on. So <laughs> you got to climb your way into that uh, role. I'm, I'm very happy with the job I have now. So it's <laughs> it's one of those jobs to where if, if I'm bored, that's a good thing. That means all my machines are running. They're making good quality products and stuff like that. So I'm yeah. very, very happy with what, what I have for a job right now. So but how yet, long have you been there? Almost 10 years now. Okay. Yeah, good. So I uh, I worked at uh, the Ford Assembly plant beforehand. I was there for nearly 13 years till they shut the doors. You know, I'm I'm not mad at that. It is it is what it is. It's, yeah. You know, it's you know Ford Ford was like, all right, should we dump you know 375 million in the oldest plant that we have, or should we dump 600 million down in Louisville and make a make a plant from the ground up that can accommodate anything we throw at it? That's a yeah. smart business move to build down in Louisville. So. I still keep in touch with some of my coworkers. How many acres was that? A lot. I know. I <laughs> used to work right across the street at Pudges, uh, for those of you that are as old as I am. This is the same Pudges. Paul. Yeah, right on Ford Parkway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is, I mean, when they tore it down, I've driven by there on River Road. And right. so I'm like, man, that's got to be 
I thought it was more like be, in the 70s or 80s I, or something I was like just going to say, it's got to be like, I'm comparing it to a piece of land that my wife and I used to own. It's got to be 70, 80, maybe even 90 acres or maybe even 100 acres. But can you imagine the real estate right in Highland Park, Ridiculous. right on the Mississippi River? Ridiculous. It's got to be. I mean, and I haven't been there in a few years now, so I'm wondering how the development is going. I mean, that, that piece of property is worth a fortune. Yep. So anyway, please forgive me. I got to no, go back okay. to what I was D- talking about. Dustin, I, I, I got interrupted a, me. Yeah, I got a question for Dustin. Dustin, so at your job, been been there ten years. Yep. Um, in Anoka, is it in Anoka? Yes, yep. it is. Yeah. Okay. So when you get there, like, is there like a special protocol, like, 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 or maybe when you leave? I guess I don't know because I feel like yeah, security, like a security, Do like you get frisked. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, Why are you looking to go there? <laughs> maybe I'm hey, looking hey, for no. some action. Hey, Come no. on. Um, <laughs> we we are uh, I guess under subject to be um, I guess frisked if you want to say that I would assume uh, they have all right to check uh, the security we have have all right to check our lunch boxes and stuff like that so no one's getting you know a five finger discount on on ammo by all means um, we do have turnstiles that are electronically um, able to turn with our employee badges and stuff like that so. They do have uh, security up front. They do have security at uh, the rear entrances and stuff like that. Speaking of rear entrances, <laughs> they they got to do a body cavity search to make sure you're not stealing any ammo nope. in your prison pocket. Absolutely I'm not. So, he says, speaking of rear entry, he looks right at me. I'm like, what the? Sneaking, sneaking uh, 223 or 556 five, nope. out in your prison pocket. A handful of 22s or something. So, But no, um, they, they being federal um, ammo have all right to do any type of uh, security searches that they want to. Yeah. All right, one, and honestly, one and question. honestly, I don't blame them either. I mean, you know, who knows how many people they have caught, you know, trying to be a little sneaky like that, taking out a, a quick small box of 25 rounds or something like that. I honestly don't know, you know, how many or if they've caught people, but you know, it's part, it's part of the job where you are subject, yeah, you subject to even, security checks. You probably really don't even know how often it's ever happened. Maybe yeah. the, maybe we can give them the benefit of a doubt and say it, maybe it rarely happened. Right. For sure. Okay, so, Dustin, my next question, follow-up, is, um, like, is there, there, it's pretty, so you've been there for 10 years. Everyone that I know that has either worked there or worked there now have been there for years, and they're, like, locked in. Like, they don't want to leave. Like, it's a great company to work for, and I feel like, like, tell me if that's true. And then, I've like, heard that, too. Yeah, and then with the retention, I mean, you learn to trust and, you know, basically love. I mean, you know, love, but, like, like your job and the people you work with, right? No, absolutely. It is it is a, a, a great job. Um, the pay is wonderful. The benefits are wonderful. Um, every once in a while, you're going to have a bad day at work. You know, if a machine breaks down or something like that and, you know, management is coming back at you saying, hey, what's going on? How long are you going to be down? Because, you know, it's a numbers, numbers crunch. You know, it's, it's if my machine is broken down, that's, you know, thousands of, of rounds that I can't provide to the plant. Mm. You know, so which caliber do you specifically work? on? You know, I honestly don't know. I am oh. in the primer assembly area, oh, okay. so I make just the primers for rifle based or handheld uh, gotcha. uh, ammunition. Right. So we have a, a spectrum up and down of specific, um, I guess, measurement of right. cups and anvils that go, you know, with with each other as well as the primer mix. What they go into, I don't know, or yeah. specifically what they right, go, right. Into, you know. But because um, there's only not that many size of primers. Correct. 
I mean, I, I know for my muzzle loader, I use a pretty standard primer. What do you think? There's maybe about half a dozen different sizes. I'd say eight to 10, oh, you know, okay. type of, of primers that right. we have for option wise. Right. Um, big thing is the actual brass that's being used, you know, for a uh, height right. wise, for the thickness of the brass based on the caliper, based on the powder that gets put in, mm -hmm. in the primer cups as well too. Right. That's so. a big deal though. Cause if you're like you specifically in your department, like you said, if a machine goes down, how many different calibers that, that just have to stop? Because they need what you're making, right. right? Yep. I mean, there's unfortunately, there's been times like that, too, to where there's been uh, uh, miscommunications to where, you know, if they're having, like, primer install machines running, you know, primer A, and we're making primer B, and all of a sudden our um, safety go-to area is out of primer A, and it's like, hey, you know, we need to change over, you know, two hours ago type of thing. Mm -hmm. So once again, it's it's a it's a waterfall effect. Yeah, everyone, if, if, everyone if we're not, you know, helping each other out, if we're not staying communicated, which is a big thing in our facility, mm -hmm. is communication. But if there's miscommunication somehow, some way, or even like a standard breakdown, it can it can be a small trickle. It can be an avalanche effect. Wow. Oh, yeah. I can imagine all the guys in the 308 division sitting there on their butt drinking a cup of coffee. Yeah, Dustin screwed up again. We're going to be sitting here for <laughs> a couple more hours anyway. No, but it's It's... Well. It's interesting on, on how fast a chain reaction can happen. Yeah. But, you know, man management line leads definitely are, are a big important factor as well, too, to where it's, you know, if line lead from, you know, um, center fire emails my line lead and assembly going, all right, I instead of four primer install machines are running primer A, I'm going to change them all over to primer B. And I'm going to take these other three, you know, primer machines, change them over to primer B. So now I'm going to have eight or nine running primer B. Here's the heads up. You know, we have, you know, 20 cages out in our storage facility. We're taking 15 of them right away. Okay, cool. We'll start making primer Bs to restock. So, mm. wow. But all in all, Federal Premium has a wonderful reputation. And I would imagine things like that really don't happen that often. Not that often, no. Um, and I, not, especially not to a c catastrophe effect, you know, where, you know, have a serious meltdown because you've got backups and mm -hmm. you have reputable people that work there and it's a great company and they get good machines and good product. Um, can I go back to what I was talking about? Yeah. Where you're, it's just yeah. boons. Yeah, spoons. I, and I just don't need to go back there. It's, it's just because incredible facility. I don't remember anything that I. Isn't that like a mine or something too, boons? Boone's Farm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Man, that is like the... Anyway, I yeah, bought tenth, a... 10th grade call. They want their drinks back. Right. I would say Dustin oh. and I bought a pheasant low. Oh, I heard the ding. I just forgot. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I got a pheasant low uh, Fiocchi for 25 bucks. What's a Fiocchi? Fiocchi is a brand. Uh, they're Italian, I think. Fiocchi, oh, but what did you buy? They're like federal. I, I brought a pheasant load. I think it was six shot or five shot. Cost me twenty five bucks. Remember we were talking about the price. Mm -hmm. of, uh, he, he bought a box of specific shotgun ammunition for pheasants. For pheasants, Thank and you. it cost him twenty five dollars. Fiocchi's a good makes. I, I, I don't know. I got a Fiocchi. <laughs> Is that what you named it? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> Get her own rim shot. 
Boy, I could keep going with that one, but I'm going <laughs> to stop. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, I don't know any uh, – when I used to shoot uh, in a traveling uh, trap league, we used Fiocchi's all the time. A lot of the trap leagues, uh, Forest Lake, you know, all the different places where the uh, – what am I trying to say? Midwest uh, – Midway? No. What's one uh, off of 35? The big uh, trap range, trap skeet. No. Nope. Oh gosh. Bueller. Huh? Bueller. 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 <laughs> Bueller. Google machine. Yep. Uh, I'm working on it. Trap range on. Oh, they almost 35. sold their property to build the uh, Viking Stadium right there. I cannot believe. In Arden Hills? Yeah. No, not in Arden Hills. Um, right south, uh, west of my uh, restaurant. You take the Lexington exit off. Metro of Gun Club. Metro. I'm saying Midwest, and mm -hmm. I know that's wrong. It's Metro, Metro Gun Club. Thank you, Danny. You're welcome, Tom. Yeah. Anyway. Look at you two getting along. I like it. <laughs> Five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> that's, the, that's the max. <laughs> okay. So now why did I bring that up? Yeah, why would you bring it up? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, I know I Hit brought that it ding. up. We got a drink on that yep. one. Yeah. There we go. Yep. All the various uh, trap ranges, you know. Around. We our home base was Forest Lake, but we tra Ham Lake. You know, we travel in a in a traveling league where we shot trap against their shooters and blah blah blah. But my point was, believe it or not, most of them use Fiocchi. TK, what uh, you drink? And I'll Fiocchi. ask my question a little slower so you can finish your drink. What is trap shooting? Well, most people know what trap shooting is. Uh, there's trap houses and. It's a big deal all over the United States. It's a it's an Olympic event, isn't it? Well, yeah, certainly. Yeah, I don't Fed know. Federal was a sponsor of the U.S. team on that one. Uh -huh. Ah, you see what I did there? Yeah. Well, then you explain trap shooting. I know what it is. <laughs> I've never done it, so honors oh. to you then. Well, you st there's five stations, mm -hmm. and they're kind of in an arch. Mm -hmm. and then in front of you is a trap house, a little block building. Where the uh, Tom went to a trap house. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say tramp house. I said trap house. Same thing. And Did it have a little red light outside a, it? <laughs> they're fully automated now, but back Redeeming in the day. Redeeming his punch card. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just like the red door. Hey, no. uh, back in the day, they'd have a young man, <laughs> young gal in there hitting the machine. They'd send out the clay pigeons. And if you don't know what a clay pigeon is, it's a round disc made of clay and bang you shoot at it it explodes it flies in the air like it. a frisbee and you try to shoot yeah. it right and it can go hard right hard left straight away left right whatever and you get a box of uh shotgun shells is 25 so you have 25 shots there it is right there thank you for doing that which one you can which see one's okay. you see the five stations and the person in the back obviously you, the one in the safety vest right here yeah, yeah. yeah. when you Say when you holler pull, the gentleman in the back that's keeping score will hit a button that will send the clay pigeon out of the trap house, and then you shoot it, and then he keeps score. He keeps score, but you see, uh, there's five people, and as you progress, we were always on the very back line. You know, you would progress to different stations behind you, oh, so sure. the shot was farther. Our league was in the league where we always shot from the back line. And it just depends on your level of uh So the guy in the chair skill. didn't stay there, right? And he'd move back. No, he would have to move back, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, he'd be pretty dangerous. shooting his hat off. 
but uh, that's so trap shooting, different than skeet shooting. When they score it, it's based on how well you hit it and how no, quickly you hit it? No, just hit or miss. Okay. And even if you just take a piece off of it, it means maybe one BB hit it and a piece came off, that's still a hit. Okay. Um, Weren't you and Dustin on a uh, shooting league for we both? We were. That's where I met Dustin. Uh, Dustin, were you better than Tom? Much better. Not at the time, though. What? No. And I only say that because he was struggling with Dustin, uh, tell a, us a the new truth. bow. And tell it us the truth. kind of got into his head, and he was very frustrated. And he's always been one of the best shooters in any of our leagues. And still today, Dustin and I shoot in a league. And he's one of our best shooter where I have definitely regressed mostly because of my eyesight. But Dustin, uh, nothing to do with old age, just eyesight. Yeah. You know, I used to have the greatest eyesight and just in the blink of an eye, I lost so much of my eyesight. It just really sucks. But uh, Dustin, I, I'm sure would concur when we first met and you were just, a, well, you still are just a great archer. Do you want to tell him that story? Um, off the top of my head, I believe we met when Gander Outdoors was still Gander Mountain right. in Forest Lake. Right. Had the um, great archery league there. Yep, great archery league. I will admit, he was smoking me at Gander Mountain. It, you know, it was one of those things to where um, I was working a big boy job. Like, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I was at the Ford Assembly plant. So it was just one of those things to where I was all about, you know, work, work, work. And, you know, it. Archery became no fun at one point to me. Yeah. It was more of a struggle to where it's like, oh, I don't want to go shoot. I would rather, you know, go drinking at a bar or something like that. And, you know, and enjoy. <laughs> she did it again. <laughs> we created a and monster. Then, you know, and, you know, go out and have fun and, and make the most out of my 20s and stuff like that instead of, you know, you know, taking my Friday night. What was it, Thursday night, Friday night? We I had a league or something. But, yeah, it was just one of those things to where. Wednesday, I don't know. Yeah, I just. Didn't, didn't want to go shoot. I got bored with it. It became no fun. So I ended up taking like an AWOL from archery, yeah. shooting, hunting. Jeez, I think just shooting in general was about 15 years, and deer hunting was about 17, 18. Wow. You took so, a sabbatical that long? Yeah. Oh, my God. How long have I known you? Well, I'd say probably close to 20 years. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, because I know at least, was, at least at least that, when that we 15, were shooting 15 to 18 range. We've known each other when we were shooting. Dustin is a perfectionist and he had the best equipment. And when it wasn't functioning right, when it wasn't functioning correctly, he would get mad. He'd get frustrated. And I'm not saying any of this to throw you under the bus, but it's easy to do when you're that good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden something's not right. And he would get into it so much that it would frustrate him even more. And I'd always tell him, Dustin, you got to stop worrying about this so much. You're a great shot. You are a great shot. You just got to let it go and just. But he couldn't do that. He was just wanted to make sure everything was right. And so then all of a sudden he disappeared. And I didn't see him for years, but I didn't mm -hmm. realize it was that long. And it's been how long have you been back in the, the leagues now? Ooh, we started three, shooting up three, at, four uh, years at Wild River. At Wild River. Three, four years. With Andy believe, up yeah. there, yeah. And I was so glad to see you, and I didn't really realize that you had just totally walked away from it all. Yeah, it was uh, sold the equipment and just walked away, and then um, Frank Welsh reached out to me. Right. And he's like, hey, I need a partner for archery leagues. Do you want to get back into it? Yeah, oh, okay, I cool. suppose. So you didn't have any gear? No, I, I, said, no, it was, it was, I think I bought, like, the bow off of Archery Talk or something like that <laughs> and, you know, bought some arrows and— I still had a few pieces and stuff like that, like a release and, and such like that. But, I mean, it was 
nearly cold turkey, you know, starting back up. And you're, again, one of the best archers in the, in the state, Frank Walsh. We should uh, say a shout-out to Frank. He, uh, absolutely one of the greatest archers in the state of Minnesota. Our friend out in uh, Colorado, John uh, Basinger, Basinger, he hunts with John Basinger every year, and they have become really good friends. Uh, he broke his... Uh, Ankle, his ankle, yeah, really bad. So he's been out of archery, but I, I've got to imagine he's back, Frank. I believe so. I think last I remember hearing from him, he was mobile, yeah. and I know he's been uh, setting up like permanent blinds, taking blinds, taking them off, yeah. you know, off the ground so they're you know ten, twelve feet up or something like that. Right. And I know on his Facebook page, he's posting pictures of this black bear he's got coming in. You know, I mean, it's it's his property in Wisconsin, right. and he has a buddy. Because Wisconsin, I believe, it's like a draft or a lottery or something like that right. for a bear. You just can't yeah. go over the counter. De- De- December 10th, I think it said it was, right. the cutoff. we got to get our... So for those of you that are listening yep. that want to hunt bear in Wisconsin next year... Good luck. December 10th yeah. is the <laughs> cutoff to put your uh, application I in. don't yep. think you will get a license next year. I yeah, think it's it takes... From, even the residents in Wisconsin got to wait forever now. I was going to say, I believe Frank was saying like three, four years just for residents alone. But he has a buddy who was lucky enough to get a tag this year, and he has, I, I want to say, two or three coming into the same pit. Right. And lucky enough, he's getting them coming in, you know, late morning, early afternoon. Wow. So wow. his buddy should be successful this year. Oh, yeah. Great. But, I mean, as for the other pictures that he's posting and how you mentioned earlier with the tur- or not the turkey, the deer hunting and how all the families do it and stuff right, with Thanksgiving right. weekend, the pictures that he's shown, I don't know if – the Wisconsin deer are just a couple weeks ahead of Minnesota for like shedding their coats or their fur, but they look healthier than Minnesota deer. They don't have that odd brown looking fur. I mean, this is that dark, you know, nearly black looking winter fur and stuff. And I mean, he even said that they, you know, they look healthier deer than what Minnesota is. Well, so. it's nice to do a shout out to Frank, Frank Walsh and his wife, uh, both of them are tr- amazing archers. And, uh, Frank, uh, if you're listening, we wish you, uh, well, I hope you've recovered from it. It's been a while now. It's been a year, hasn't it? Yeah, a year and change. Yeah, it's been more than a year uh, that you had your accident. And the archery world, uh, at least we miss them. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I, a big, a big, you know, thank you to Frank for getting me, yeah. you know, out of my shell and getting me into shooting again. I mean, yeah. my, my dad wa- was Is the one. Is this you? That is me. That is from uh, Bowfest this year. Absolutely. I was just going to say, you so you said got a you thumb had release. no photos, and, Sorry. and I just found you on the internet. Trolling, trolling me on Facebook? Obviously. So, no, that's that's me at Bowfest. That, I, I, I couldn't tell you exactly what target that was. That was one of Did the you last win? five. No, stupid me. I ended up trying. I was down some points on the first day, so then I, I ended up having to be greedy the second day. And what killed me is I went for a 14 ring and um, oh, yeah. hey. um, <laughs> went, went for a 14 ring and I moved my bow arm to the left and I ended up shooting a five. If uh, I would have gotten the 14 ring, I may have placed in the top five. If I would have been a 12 ring, I think I would have taken sixth. I know the, you know, the top, you know, 10, like first, second were you know, above and beyond everyone else. But that third through, like, seventh, that mm-hmm. was a very tight race at, at Bowfest this past year. But I ended up taking ninth out of, I believe, like a, a mid-20 type yeah. shooting group this year. 
and that was an absolute horror story too. But with that's Goldfest this year. Okay, so mid mid twenty, like twenty, let's just call it twenty five shooters. Sure. But that's only that made it that far because there's hundreds of shooters up there, right? Uh, Bowfest actually has two different shoots. They have Bowfest alone, and then they have an OPA, which is an organized right. of uh, professional which archers. Um, Levi Morgan, I hope that drops, right. no, name drop well, or course. whatever. Yep. He's the one, I believe, I don't want to. He gave my son one of his $75 arrows a, oh, yeah. a couple of years ago. Yep, he gets them for nothing. So. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, Levi Morgan was the one to really get the ball rolling on this OPA. Right, he is. And he's taken the ASA market and the field archery market and mashed them together. So OPA is a 3D target shoot that the rings on a specific animal are color-coded right. to where uh, the 12 ring is going to be colored orange, and I believe the 14 ring is colored pink. Right. Are they Reinhardt targets? I believe so. Yeah, that's Danny. Right. Can you bring up a uh, a Reinhardt three uh, D archery target? But I have another picture of him. I want to show okay. you. Okay, you can do that too. Look it, it's Get him. It All right, that's out at uh, Bald Eagle out in, in yeah. like uh, Hugo. There. It looks like it's about sixty yards. That sounds about right. About sixty three, sixty four, caribou there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Isn't it amazing you know, that, that you can know how many yards it is, but you don't know how much six inches it is? It's just crazy. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> what Shots fired. Wow. That's wow. a shot over the bow for sure. <laughs> All right. From yeah. now on, them girls don't get any of the no more whiskey. You gave me After whiskey. the break. You no said whiskey. you want some in, of in my, in my apologies, I didn't know this is exactly what you wanted for pictures or whatever. I thought you wanted pictures of, like, federal ammo. And I shit. found you. It's she, okay. She wanted pictures of your part-time job that's only on the Internet and <laughs> with a webcam. <laughs> oh, no, not that one. I, you have to pay for that one. I'm not paying for her. All right, so this is obviously a different bow than you were shooting at Bowfast. Yes, yep. So the the other one looked like a Matthews, is that right? Nope. The other one was uh, that that uh, other bow was my hunting bow. You're kidding me. No, not not kidding you at all. That that week leading up to Bowfest was an absolute s show. Okay. I don't know if I can. Swear you can say shit show. Oh, yeah. It was a shit show, and the reason being is that I ended up getting a bug up my ass. I went on the OPA site. Don't know why. Just ended up doing it looking through the rules and stuff like that and here to find out that my orange bow that was just pictured didn't qualify for OPA. What? Oh, sure. Why not? It shot too fast. So what's yeah. the what, what's their cutoff on the feet per second? 290 feet per second. Oh, really? And I was shooting I, um, like 308, 309 with that one. I mean, 300's pretty much the norm nowadays. Uh, ASA, I believe the max is like 288, and that's with the mm. plus three degree difference in speed. Don't quote me 100%. So how many pound draw are you pulling? I believe the, the orange bow is right at like 68 to 70. Okay. So well, that's why you're pulling. That's why you're shooting over 300. Yep. So, but I mean, the, the arrow build that I have on it is close to what they call an IBO spec. IBO, once again, another uh, 3D type of... Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't want to call it a company, but a 3D um, league, I guess. League. IBO stands on. But, I mean, IBO is you can have your arrow weigh five grains per pound, and what you shoot for speed is what you shoot for speed. That's normally, you know, how I set my bows up is IBO. What is the acronym IBO? International Bow Hunters Organization. Right. right. So 
I knew that. But then there is a another group called ASA, yep. which uh, archery shooter organization. Yeah. No, organization starts with an O, not an A. Anyways, um, ASA and IBO. The big difference with that is, of course, the speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of did a hybrid this year, which I wasn't aware of till I shit you not, l- the week leading into Bowfest. So here's me attempting to set up my, my orange bow, couldn't get it slow enough, <laughs> revert to my hunting bow, because not only did I have or go over the speed limit, I was over the arrow size limit. I'm shooting the big fat arrows for 3Ds, <laughs> yeah. so I had to drop down to legitimately my hunting arrows and my hunting bow to shoot this tournament. <laughs> no way was I ready for it at all. So, it, you know, luckily, we're in summertime. It didn't, you know, sunset till 9, 930. So I'm shooting out in the backyard, trying to sight in, running up the full draw, even though that they closed at like 7 or 8, shooting 60, 70, 80 yards, knowing that I may potentially have an 80 to a 90-yard target at Bowfest. So you're standing mm-hmm. in the parking lot on the side of the building to shoot that 60-yard Pretty 60 close to it, like the side <laughs> of the building <laughs> shooting their very far one to get like 90 yards or something like that. Yeah. And one, one day I'm out there trying to shoot like 70 yards, my bow derails. So that means string came off, the cable came off, the cams or whatever like that, and I walk in and, and Luke is working. Yeah. And he looks at me, he goes, what happened? And I'm like, Somebody is telling me don't shoot Bowfest this year. <laughs> so, but I mean, long story short, I had, I set up the hunting bow. I end up getting my hunting bow going like 287 feet per second, and you know, shot shot as good as I did. But I tell you, you what, did you shoot the hunter class? Nope, I shot. It was the OPA amateur class is what I shot. Okay. So more else, it was like unlimited things. If you wanted a a single pin movable sight. With a four to five, you know, six power lens in it, you shoot a release, and yeah, it was just, it was like, you know, j- just under like the professional level, but you know, it didn't pay out as good as the professional level, though. Well, here's what I want to do, boys, because I feel like there's a lot more archery I want to get into. And TK, I know you said you wanted to cut this one a little short, but I feel like we've got some more. No, to say. I said Dustin's a little short. Oh, it's not his fault. Five, five, nine, <laughs> So we are going to take a quick break okay. because we got to, you know. Yeah, I've got a lot out. more I need to talk to Dustin about. Uh, I asked Danny to pull up a Reinhardt 3D target so people can see what the different rings he's talking about, the 14 ring or the 10 ring. You know, uh, I understand what that is, but I'm sure, and I know you do, but a lot of people may not. So she's going to try and find that. We have to talk about some ice fishing. We have to talk about uh, the fact that he did for a while what you and I spent many years doing dustin was a disc jockey as well he was yep so we're going to get it to all that when we come back from the break folks so stick around and if you haven't already please pinwheel that like button go over to our um uh, our link tree you have lots of different options on the link tree for where you can listen in you can watch the episodes including youtube spotify all the different audio platforms and uh, watch and like and subscribe to boots and backstraps We'll be right back more with uh, Dustin Standridge after the break. Boots and Backstraps, brought to you by Homes by Shane and produced by Danny Geo Productions. The journey is a special thing. The journey has meant the world to me. It's special because we've done it together. There's always going to be improvements that can be made, celebrations along the way, adversities to overcome. 
and maybe a dad joke or two. If I learned anything about the journey in our time together, it's that you've just got to take it all in and do what's right. Continue to grow, continue to live in the moment. The journey is never ending. I'm excited to take this next step in our journey together. That's all right. We're back. Welcome back to Boots and Backstraps, everybody. I am uh, still your host and with my On His Own Planet co-host, TK. How are we doing, sir? Come on now. <laughs> and we're still in studio with uh, Dustin Stanbridge, of course. So what do we got going on here? That looks like an awfully good shot. This is uh, OPA this past year. This was, uh, as you can clearly see, target 19 out of 20. Bigfoot. Um, as I mentioned before, OPA has uh, color-coded rings. The orange ring there is a 12 ring. Uh, the pink ring, I, I guess, is the 14. And um, this target was set at about 87, 88 yards, and I was lucky enough to get the 12 ring on this one. Lucky enough. You're yeah. so modest. A 12 ring at 87 yards is unbelievably good shot. No kidding. That's a great shot. Are you using a clarifier or anything, or is that just uh, naked no, eye? No clarifier. I do have a four-power lens. So for those, once again, that may not know, uh, archery terms and stuff. I have a magnifying glass within my sight. That is a four power uh, piece of glass. That allows so, you to just see a little further. A little bit. Yeah. brings the target a little bit closer and stuff like that. Like so, a binocular, right? Exactly. Instead of like an eight or a 10 power binocular, I have a little four power binocular within my sight. That's great. So that's a hell of a shot, man. Nice job. Thank you. That's a Reinhardt target. He was saying I was going to find a picture on the phone at the ATA show a couple years ago down in Louisville. They had that uh, when I was working mm -hmm. with the uh, Bowfest. <laughs> I have a picture standing next to that big. It's the uh, That's a Sasquatch, Sasquatch, right? Yeah. yeah. I have a picture of that on my phone. I'm not sure what MSRP is. I think that's right around like five or six grand for that. So Yeah. It's so like not cheap. three years ago we were there, and um, our friends of ours, Steve and Kelsey Meyer, who we're going to get up here on this show because they're – just a super cool couple. They're big into the outdoors and huge archers and hunters. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to get them up here on this show. But he proposed to her at the white Sasquatch. I don't know what you would. What? Abominable Snowman. Thank right. you. Yep. Yeah. So that's, um, I'm trying to remember what trail Damn that it. is or up there or whatever. But you had to like go down a pretty good grade to get to pick your arrow. And she shot. And then I think she was the only one to shoot on that one. And uh, and then when she went down to get her arrow, he f followed her down to help her, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And then when she's pulling her arrow out, he was on his knee next to her. And then we were all at the top of the hill with our cameras. That's awesome. Uh, that is awesome. And he proposed. And I was hoping it was going to be something like he had a, an engagement ring on the 10 ring. And then she zinged it in. Her arrow was right in the middle of her engagement ring. Or well, I, don't, I mean, she's pretty good. Sh they're both good shots. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she shoots a wrist release. And Steve's like you, he's a thumb release. Right. Um, he's a great shot, too. Excellent shot. So what are you shooting now for equipment? We should maybe go down that. Because you said you, that one you had was not the hunting uh, bow is not a Matthews? No, it's um, the, the orange bow that was showed before is a Hoyt Pro Force. Okay. More or less, it's a, um, a shoot-through type, type style riser with more of a speed cam compared to the Prevail that they had out at the time. Now they have, 
I believe it, it is pronounced Invitica. Something is, like that. Yeah, yeah. Is, is their new target bow. And as for my hunting bow, that is a Hoyt Helix. Okay. So comparable uh, with the cams and stuff like that, just a different riser for the most part. That's the biggest thing. But there might be a smaller little, you know, doodadlies that are different with the Pro Force and the Helix. But it is the same cam overall. So, so is it something about Hoyt that you like specifically? Because every guy seems to go on. My, my big thing with bows is the grip. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't fit right in the grip, you will not shoot it good or you will hate shooting it. Um, after the I have grip, a bow tech, mm-hmm. and I hate shooting it because it just doesn't feel right. It might be the grip then. So, But, I mean, I, I go by grip, and then I go by draw cycle. And you can always, you know, oh, this is too much weight. You can always go down, you know, limbs or something like that if you want a, a 50 to 60. Or if the cam on it is a super easy drawing back cam, all right, 60 to 70. And I was honestly thinking I'd get a 50 to 60-pound bow, but because the cam was so easy to draw, I ended up going with a 60 to 70 and just I'm just like, wow, th- this is super smooth, super easy to where it's, you know, me shooting, you know, as I mentioned before, like 68, 69, 70 pounds, whatever it may be. It doesn't feel like that. Can you explain draw cycle for those people that don't know what that is? Uh, draw cycle, I'll try to make it super simple for everyone. Dumb it as, down. Yeah, <laughs> you know, draw cycle for idiots, I guess. Not, this is no draw offense. cycle explanation after like seven shots. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the draw cycle, by the time you pull on the string to achieve the cam to, I guess, roll over. Back wall? The back wall, yes. That is your draw cycle. You're going to hit a peak weight, and then from there, that cam is going to roll over and hit the back wall, and that's where your let off is going to come from. Mm -hmm. So even though if you are pulling 70 pounds, your bow may have an 80% let off. I like math. I don't know the math off the top of my head to where 80% off of 70 would be. I'm guessing right around that, you know, 15, 16 mark. Well, it's 56 at at, uh, 70 or no, at 80 on a 70-pound draw, 56 pounds. Okay, so you would be holding, what, 23, 24 pounds yeah, at, right. at full draw? Yes. So It's light. Yeah, it's it's really light. But I, it's, to me, I mean, it, some of the archery forums that I'm on through Facebook and stuff like that, I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, what's the best bow out there? The best one is the one that you can shoot yeah, right. and enjoy shooting. They all make great bows. No, that's the thing. Is that's that what it's, I tell all the kids. Yeah. Nobody it, makes a bad bow anymore. Not anymore. Just and get I mean, one that even, you're comfortable with and Even practice. the bows made in like early 2000s. It's like, oh, I shoot this bow and it goes 270 feet per second. I'm looking to upgrade. And it's like, are you looking to upgrade just because you want to, you know, to get the more updated stuff? Because that bow is still going to throw an arrow through the deer with no problem. Right. And so as long as you enjoy it and you're not, you know, into anything major of tournaments of sorts, right? a 20-year-old bow is going to be just as, as oh, good absolutely. as a current bow this year. An old bear brand bow. No, honestly, that's about it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm in the market to look for a new one. Not saying I will. I wanted to last year. I thought, I thought Hoyt was going to come out with more of a, like a speed bow mm-hmm. and they never did the, well it, they haven't it, done anything since that the t- uh, spider turbo right right well no they've that, that's geez i think that's like mid 2000s like that 13 14 range i mean it, as far as speed bows go um they like the they had a couple come out that were really really fast like their carbon riser bows yeah 
Uh, there's one that I believe gets around rate of like 350 feet per Jeez, second, like that's that 348, maybe 350. Wow. I believe so. <laughs> I believe it's like their, you know, RX5 Ultra or something like that. At what pound would you think? Uh, that would 70? be 70 pound, 30 inch draw. Yeah. I believe is how they measure, you know, right. specs like that. Yeah. Right. But me having T-Rex arms, I'm sitting at like, you know, 27 and a half, 28. And I can hear the, the clown gallery yeah. back there. <laughs> but, I mean, me me with my T-Rex arms, if I can get over 300, I'm doing I know. really good. Well, I shoot 28 draw length, and uh, I think I'm at – I went from 70 pounds. Just recently I went from 70 to 65, and I don't know how fast those are flying, but it's plenty fast. Mm -hmm. Plenty fast. Fast enough to kill an antelope. We know that. Yep. I haven't picked you on that one for yet. So I don't, I don't know how you guys did out, out getting oh, antelopes yeah. yet. I shot an um, an antelope. Uh, um, he was a juvenile, uh, but he came in. He's uh, a big-bodied juvenile. He okay, came though. in uh, at the uh, last hour of the last day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I said, boy, this is your unlucky day because you're going home with me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because both Shane and I and most of my friends, we love antelope meat. So I wasn't going to pass that up. Danny, you got a picture, don't you? Okay, she's grabbing it. So we, we always uh, – so with the episodes, when we get the media, um, then she creates folders, and so she's got a folder that has all the gotcha. stuff from the hunting trip in it she can grab. Now, antelope has a natural heavy taste of sage. Is that is that what they normally it eat can. or is it something else? You know, I got to tell you, Dustin, what I tell everybody, and uh, there's so Not many – Not where we are. I don't remember. There wasn't that much sage out there, was oh, there? Oh, yeah. There's plenty of sage out there, yeah. Huh. Um, when you get the hide off that animal, you get the guts out right now, Get the hide off of it within an hour. Get the meat cooled down. You're not. It's just the most pleasant meat in the world. I mean, I don't know other, any other word to describe it. It's just, it's mild. It's uh, not game at all. The problem uh, with the reputation there of antelope go. is... Uh, That's can a good you, harvest right there. Can really you go to uh, one of the side shots so that Dustin can see how big the body is? Yeah, you can see it's got juvenile horns, but that's all right. Uh, the horns don't taste that good. You can't even make horn soup out of them. No, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. I, <laughs> yeah. I, what I love to take like a sweet eight pointer, there we go. you know, sweet eight point whitetail. Absolutely. But you know what? Yeah. Meat on the table is meat on the table. Well, we eat our, we eat everything. I've always, and I preach this and Shane's the same way. We eat everything we shoot. Mm -hmm. I just read an article, uh, uh, Eichler, Everything Eichler, uh, in this current Bowhunter magazine. His dad, when he was a kid, his dad's old school. What's his first name, Eichler? Uh, nope. Everything Eichler. You should know. He's an <laughs> On the spot, Dustin. You know, he's a traditional uh, bowhunter for uh, Bowhunting magazine, uh, traditional editor. Anyway, his father, when he was a kid, made him, he cooked and made him eat a robin that he killed. He says, if you're going to kill it, you're going to eat it. So he cooked it up for him, and he had to eat a robin. And I think, that's great. You know, don't just kill animals for the sake of killing them. A, a robin bird? Yes, Ooh. a robin. Interesting. All so right. it was, I just read this, like, yesterday in uh, Bowhunter magazine. Uh, it's, it's not Ed Eichler. Whatever. Everything Eichler, he has his own uh, show on the Sportsman's Channel. 
He's a great archery guy. He lives in Trinidad, uh, Colorado, where I almost opened a restaurant one year. And uh, his article, he's just genuine, cool guy. He says, yeah, well, I don't kill it unless we're going to eat it, whether it's squirrels, turtles, whatever, fish, anything. They eat it. Squirrel's pretty good, actually. Squirrel's great. God, squirrel and rabbit make a stew out of it. Mm -hmm. oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, it was like years ago at the Deer Classic at, at the State Fairgrounds. There was a guy that would always sell like beef jerky sticks or yeah. meat jerky, yep, yep. I should say, because he he's had from such a variety. And I mean, I tried like alligator, you know, meat stick. That yep, was dynamite. Yep. Um, I I want to say he had a rabbit, and that it's super stringy, but it was good. But mm. you know, as long as you can docker it up, rabbit, you, know, you don't have yeah. to die. You can cook rabbit with with butter and garlic salt, and you've got a great table fare. Right on. You know, they have saddles on their back, mm -hmm. which is the ribeye. Prime rib, back straps, boots and back straps. Boots and back straps. Uh, but uh, we used to serve those at the restaurant. They're fabulous. Rabbit is great meat. I mean, squirrel is great meat. Antelope is actually my favorite. Antelope I was just about to ask, and what is your favorite wild game meat out there? Antelope and moose. All right. I, I, can't, I can't speak up and say I've had moose. I would have to say mine is bear. I love bear. And you know what? I had this conversation today as well. We were talking about different, uh, the taste. Of, and she said, well, what does a bear taste like? And I said, you know, believe it or not, bear are in the pork family because they're called a sow and a boar. Mm -hmm. And not that their meat tastes anything like pork, but it doesn't taste anything like beef either. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a beef, only sweeter. It's kind of a cross between pork and beef, only sweeter. And I guess sweet is the only word I can put attached to the bear meat. But I told the girl, I said, bear meat is my wife's favorite meat. I mean, we love bear meat. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> why? <laughs> I know there's something that just went over my uh, head. I, why? That oh, means you I have to go. You. You have to <laughs> go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Thank just wait. The wheels, the wheels are turning. He'll get there. Shane, this is a family show. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> sorry. Where's that bell? Right. Right. I know, seriously. Wait, there we go. There we go. Oh, I'm sorry. There we go. Mm. So, so I will say funding was great. Uh, the meat is great. I'll say it elk for me. You know, I was just about to bring up elk. Elk to me is so good. Slow and steady. Because yeah. you can burn that real quick with how lean it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, like a spice of sorts goes a long way with that too. Oh yeah. I mean, I love elk meat. I've killed many elk. Justin, I mean, do you cook? I love cooking. Cool. And yes, I am dating a girl too, so I'm already spoken for. Sorry. Ah, he's <laughs> off the market. Yeah, I'm off married. the market. I'm bad. Uh, tell me about your uh, your chili. I love making chili. Good lord, I love making chili. My secret with chili is make it, let it sit in the fridge for a day, and then reheat it. And yeah. It's always better. Oh yeah. The spices mature a little Absolutely. bit more. Absolutely, yes. Yep, I've done uh, some chili contests and stuff like that. Um, and how have you done? I've taken first in a few. I've taken second in a few, third in a few, haven't placed in a few. Do you do the same chili recipe every time? For the most part, yes. And what the downfall is is that you do not know what your clientele is going to be at said right. contest. You don't know what the judges are going to be like. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the last one I went to was at a, uh, a golf course up in Pine City, some mm – -hmm. Private golf course. I can't remember the name of it. I mean, Tom knows. He knows some, you know, 
Tunnel's I've golfed in Pine upper City. Class, upper class. I don't people. remember. The upper uh, crust. I don't remember a private club in Pine City, but I've golfed. At well, the, I mean, it's right off 35 right. as you're heading north. Any, yep. Anywho, so great I, course. I brought it there, and everyone was like, "It tasted good. It was just too hot for my tasting." I was gonna say, "Where's your heat level? One to ten? No, I throw it like an eight or nine. Okay. I, l- I love making hot stuff. Yeah, the further around. north yeah. you get, the more Scandinavians you're going to run into, and salt and pepper is yep. a little bit too much for them. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, ketchup could be too hot ketchup for some is people. Spicy. As I say, but, Minnesota spicy ketchup. Yeah, no, exactly. But, I mean, it was it was nice to get the feedback from everyone else there because it's like, you know what? This was really good, but, man, I just couldn't handle the hot on it to where you had a couple of the, the younger kids, you know, high schoolers or whatever, that were there working the golf course and stuff like that, that would try it. And they're like, I absolutely love this. So, but it's, it's Can just I tell it's you hit a, or miss. Uh, just a quick story, totally off the subject of that Pine City uh, golf course. Mm-hmm. I went there with uh, a real close friend of mine, Father Ralph. He's a Catholic priest. Uh, uh, used to be in Little Canada. Then he was in Rush City. And then he was out in Long Lake. Now he's retired. But. Uh, when he was in Little Canada, no, actually, when he was in Rush City, we went up there golfing. We used to golf a lot together. So we parked in this particular spot, and he says, you know, Tom, if we go right through the bushes right here, we can start out on the ninth hill on ninth hole, and nobody will know that we're on the course. And I looked at him, and I said, don't you think you priests are in enough trouble as it is? Oh. You want to go sneak on a goddamn golf course? <laughs> and he looks at and he's like peeing in his pants. He's laughing so hard. He's laughing. He says, I just wanted to see if you'd do it. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You You would have done it in a heartbeat. (laughs) He's done it at least once if he brought it up. That's for sure. I know. Add it to your confession, Tom. He's so funny, and he's such a great guy, and I just, that story is so funny that I'm glad I could share that. And Father Ralph, if you're watching, I hope you're behaving yourself down in Florida. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, we could sneak on here and no one would know we're here. (laughs) What? So, Dustin, speaking of archery and Mm -hmm. uh, you being an accomplished archer, can you offer some tips and tricks? How can, what would you suggest to to somebody that's either a a very beginning archer or maybe someone that's, you know, newer to archery to improve their shot accuracy? All right. So, I will bring up the, the little helpful tip or trick that Frank Welsh brought up to me. So, First and foremost, realize that you are not a pro. You are not Levi Morgan. Right. You are not Dan McCarthy. Right. And all the other pros out there. Good advice for most golfers. Yep. Um, <laughs> no kidding, right? John Dudley. Um, that guy's amazing. And the reason I say that is you are not going to be a solid rock holding on either the X ring if you're shooting a spot or, you know, the 12 ring if you're shooting 3D. Trust your float is what it is so if you are right around the x-ring just you know beating in on it keep squeezing that trigger and trust your float that is the most important thing i can say so tr- what does trust your float mean trust your float is as you're holding at full draw aiming with your pin at let's say you're shooting at a, a 20 spot yards. yeah 20 yeah. 20 yards at a spot so you're homing in on that little x-ring trying to get dead center of that spot it will move it will float around that X-ring and stuff like that. Trust it. Keep squeezing that trigger until the arrow goes off. The reason the pros are pros is because that is their job. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I've talked to a few of them at Bullfest this past year. 
that is their job to where they wake up in the morning, they go fling three, 400 arrows, they go, you know, to the gym, work out, get some lunch, go in the afternoon, fling another two, 300 arrows, go back to the gym, go run two, three miles, who knows what, fling another two, 300 arrows afterwards, and that's their day. Yeah, that's what they get like paid. You said, that's their job. Absolutely. They get paid by their sponsors, most likely. They win the big tournaments to where it's, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, if not more, mm-hmm. to where that is their job. Mm-hmm. My job works at Federal Ammo, so I can't shoot the bow as much as I want to. But when I do, and what Frank told me a couple years back, three years back, you know, you are not a professional. You are not going to be holding the bow and that pin is going to be sitting right on the X and you're not going to move at all. Trust your float. Yep. That's the biggest thing I can say. Dustin, there's there's one thing that I, I feel like that you've really given us as well is that no matter what, um, even if you have T-Rex arms, you mm-hmm. can cook chili <laughs> and shoot a bow. Yeah. yeah I'm, no I, matter what. I am a badass like that. That's for sure. <laughs> and you have T-Rex arms, right? I, absolutely. Did this you look at the screen? I did. This is this <laughs> Dustin getting ready to, to go up and yep, shoot. Yeah, I'm getting, re- I'm getting ready to go but hunt or right is, now. Or is he getting ready to go <laughs> cook some chili? I don't know. I could cook chili. <laughs> yeah, how does your T-Rex arms work for chili? I just want to know. Very easily. I just oh. have a very long spoon handle. Oh, <laughs> yes. So, makes stirring very, very easily. Wow. Hey, Dan. Wow. Oh, look at that. Dan, pull up that uh, other picture that I gave you of the Sasquatch at the ATA show. OPA? That was our booth at Bowfest. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, at the ATA show I in Kentucky. I see what you're like saying. It, two years you ago, wasn't it? 2020? That, uh, I think or, that or was 19. three years ago. Oh, it's okay. But it was a cool booth, and uh, we had a lot of fun there. I, Larry Polkovec that owns uh, Bowfest, and I uh, spent a lot of time putting that deal together. And he had probably 13 employees at the Bowfest because that booth was on one side. We were promoting Bowfest. But on the other side, he had that blind, that earth blind that he was promoting. And I'm telling you, we were in bourbon country. We were in Louisville, Kentucky, and he took us all out to dinner, I don't know, three times. I can't imagine what the bill was, but one time he took us to the best restaurant in Louisville. It was a steakhouse, and the menu had a bourbon menu. It was two it was a long menu, and it had, both sides had every bourbon known to man. Wow. Pretty much, except for anything that maybe was I was obscure. like, there's, there's, there's hundreds. It had started on the left, left-hand side. It had all. It started out with rumple, uh, rumple, uh, rumple mints. No, not still skin. It's not rumple still skin either. It's didn't uh, he make gold out of like cotton or something? That dude's probably rich right now. Oh, you're you're talking about uh, Pappy Van Winkle. Pappy, I don't know. It's, I'm thinking of Rip Van Winkle, and I'm like Rumpel. Rip Van Winkle is their like their their right. entry level, and <laughs> right. then the premium is the 23 Pappy that Pappy Van. That Winkle. one's at the top, and you know it's got stuff like Angel's Revenge, and so many people have done that wrong because I googled Rumpelstiltskin bourbon, and it says old Rip Van Winkle. So awesome. yeah. you're not alone, Tom. Uh, it's yeah, the, easy to do, but the Pappy 23 is like the holy grail of bourbons, and it's crazy expensive. I mean, it's so like, we're all at this. Crazy beautiful restaurant. Twenty five years old is and all thirty five thousand dollars. Yep, for a bottle. Yeah, yes. 
I've been dipping my 401k. <laughs> <laughs> If you do, I'm coming over. You'll get you'll say get a, that again. You'll Danny, get Tom's invite of a carrier. A 35 year old bottle. A 25 year old old Rip Van Winkle online here is thirty five thousand dollars. But look, look for the 23 because I think you can get 23s for like three, four, five grand. Yep, five grand. Yeah, there you go. <sighs> so we're drinking. I'll take this stuff and uh, eating steaks. And thank you, Larry, for picking up the check on that deal. That was a. An amazing, amazing weekend. And well, we've had an amazing oh, show tonight. What else do we have to talk about? Ice fishing? Are we talking about ice fishing tonight? We can. No, I mean, no. I don't we have fish. to give him a reason to come back. Yeah, so we're, to leave it ooh, out. Leave it out. Up okay. against the clock here, boys. As much as I'd love to keep. Plus, rolling we like us. him. Yeah, I've yeah. had it with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but we do want to give Dustin an opportunity to come back, if you will. I would be more than happy. This this was fun. This is something that I've always wanted, like get my foot wet in. Was the whole podcast thing, and I mean all all the you know deer mounts, the elk mount, bear mounts. This this is awesome. I you call me up as yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, as long as long as I'm able to, I I would be more than happy to come back just to BS for the next you know few hours and stuff like that and drink some bourbon. Why not? Maybe we can hire you as a bouncer. Just kind of hang around, and make sure them girls back in the uh, back in the control shop room there. there. Can, yes, I worry about can I get a sweet shirt that says security at the table? Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right, then I'll have I'll have my people call your people. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this podcast is all about, and I'm glad you said that because we just we like to view this thing as just a bunch of good old boys yeah. or good old gals, for that matter, sitting down having a conversation about stuff that we're passionate about over some, uh, you know, some whiskey or bourbon or, or in their case, some wine. Yeah, that particular day. We we're like drinking to add, make with sure you. we have uh, some relevant content, and I think you know with uh, your your job and uh, the craziness with ammunition these days you know you know there was a point that i was going to bring up earlier you know who our greatest ammo and gun salesperson was i mean in our entire history was obama oh, i yeah. mean i heard that from every retailer that i knew well obama's out there selling guns and ammunition because everyone was so worried that uh, the left wing was going to seize our firearms and this so everyone started stockpiling mm -hmm. and that's when the craziness started mm -hmm. yep for sure. Yep. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Could, could, could I? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, man. So um, if anybody wants information about what I mentioned before with federal ammo and stuff like that. About eating your chili? <laughs> another day. That, that's why I'm going to become a vaccine. All right. All right. Anyways, <laughs> go on YouTube. Look up, like I believe it's like Federal Premium Ammo. They have their own YouTube page. Our plant manager did two videos that morals kind of give you the update of our status. Granted, they are uh, you know almost a year old already. The first one was in December. I believe the second one was in January of this year. Listen to them, watch them. They're all but four or five minute you know reads, watches type of thing. But yeah, I mean, coming from the the plant manager's mouth, I mean, the number I gave out how it's seven hundred million rounds were you know backed up type of thing because of the new shooters. That's no lie. That's coming right from the plant manager in his mouth. So check out the Federal Premium Ammo page on YouTube. You'll be able to uh, get the info. There's the website. That's the actual website right there. So, yeah, I mean, you know, all, all I can say is that me being a worker, we are working 24-7. We are doing what we can to get the ammo out to you. And we we were not ready for what took place. Yeah. And, Sorry about that. 
you know, that's way out of my control. That's out of federal ammo's control. But we are doing what we can to get the ammo out to the people. Giddy up. So, yep. Next time we have you on, we're going to talk about ice fishing, and we're going to talk about what else did we forget to talk about? Your, your disc jockey he's gonna, uh, experience. He's also going to bring chili next I'll bring time chili he comes. Next time bringing too. chili. We're going to talk about you as a disc jockey. $35,000 whiskey, you know, stuff That'd be like awesome. And you're going to do his 401k. Rip yeah. Van Winkle. Uh, you're gonna Pappy. The I, Pappy. I, I might, the Pappy. Need, might need some antelope meat for this chili coming up, though. Hey. There we go. I got that. All right, Make then. that happen. I like how this works. All right, man. Bring her home. Folks, thanks for joining us for another uh, episode of Boots and Backstraps. Don't forget to send your questions, comments, and snide remarks over to Boots and Backstraps Podcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already gone on and uh, clicked that little thumb, give us a pinwheel on the like button. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you're sharing the episodes. Make sure you leave comments. All that stuff helps us to beat the big tech algorithms and get this uh, you know, information, this entertainment, this podcast out to more people because more people need to see and hear what we're talking about and uh, enjoy all this, uh, the fun stories and stuff that we're sharing. So, TK. Yeah, it's been a great night. Dustin, thank you. <laughs> and, folks, uh, I like to close the show with uh, whether you're belting out your favorite country song or maybe you're out there pursuing your favorite game animal, I encourage you to use that same passion to pursue the Lord. He will teach you to shoot straight. Thanks for joining us this week, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Come on now. Honey's on, looking for backstraps. Way deep in the woods. Tracking in a swamp to a hayfield under the harvest moon. When the tags are filled, it's time to switch up our boots. Head down to the honky tonk, get us a swing dance or two. We're talking about boots and backstraps.